So like when we go through the fire with Christ, that's called refinement. If we go through the fire without Christ, that process is actually called hell. This is Camus. And this is Kylie. Welcome to God is Real, God is Good, a podcast where we collect stories about God working in people's lives through big miraculous ways all the way down to small everyday things. Hi, everybody. Camus this week, and this week I have Daryl Hunter with me because he's <laughs> raised in Florida and he does not say Hunter correctly. Um, <laughs> So I know Daryl from CORE, an evangelistic school that I went to last year. Oh my goodness, it's been a year. Um, Daryl, (laughs) that's so crazy. I'm getting old. Um, But Daryl is one of the outreach coordinators there. So basically his job is to facilitate all the outreach that we do. So we would sell religious books door to door. So he taught us on a donation basis. basis. Did it on a donation basis for our scholarship so we could go to school. Because you can't say silly, it's a sin word, apparently. Um, and then he taught us how to do Bible studies and interacting with the church and all of that fun stuff. So I definitely really appreciate Daryl, and I know he has a really good story. So Daryl, how about you tell everybody a little bit about where you're from? Well, I'm from a super small town called Live Oak, Florida. Uh, don't worry if you never heard of it. Most people have not. Yeah, I've, I've been in a lot of different places. I, I don't claim to be from one specific place because I've been, like, I've lived somewhere everywhere. And as soon as I turned 18, like, I got out of the place where I grew up, was born and raised, and I kind of made all these new places my home. So it was Florida, Hawaii, um, California is where I recently moved from. Um, but I would consider those two places, Florida and Hawaii, my home. And now Pennsylvania is going to be your home. Oh, yeah. Pennsylvania is becoming my home, too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's my second year. And so I think I'm going to be here for a minute, so I might as well start claiming it. Yeah, might as well. Daryl, how about you tell us a little bit about your religious background growing up? Okay, yeah. So um, I grew up Baptist, but not really practicing. Mm -hmm. Um, And also I get into it with my testimony a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I guess I would. I would have to say that I was a Baptist in name, but not necessarily a practicing Baptist. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I would claim that. All right, that makes sense. And then let's pray, and then we'll get to your story. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for Daryl for him being willing to come today and share his story. I've obviously heard it before, and it's a blessing to you and uplifting to you. Just give him the words to say everything that he needs to say and just inspire him or whatever he wasn't thinking of sharing, but needs to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So I'll just get right into it, right? Yep. Go ahead. All on you now. Okay. All right. Here we go. Camus knows I love public speaking. <laughs> That's a joke. Um, I'm happy, super happy to be here. So I'll start by reading this quote. Um, it's one of my favorite quotes. And it says, the purpose of trials. Um, the, that's my words. The quote is actually this. A gem cannot be polished without friction, nor man perfected without trials. And this quote is from Lucius Ananias Seneca. I'll say that one more time. Yeah, it's some old foreign. <laughs> uh, I think he's from, I think he's from Europe somewhere. I don't know exactly. But um, super cool quote. 
And now here it goes again. It says, a gem cannot be polished without friction, nor a man perfected without trials. And in Christ's Object Lessons, and we all know who wrote that one, that one's by Ellen White. It says, the perfect fruit of faith, meekness, and love often matures best amid storm clouds and darkness. I'll read that one more time again, because this is said enough for my testimony. Um, the perfect fruit of faith, meekness, and love often matures best amid storm clouds and darkness. Okay, so just to jump right in, um, as I mentioned, I grew up in Libel, Florida, mm -hmm. and I grew up in a very um, poor environment, and I, I know some people use that term loosely, but I was like legitly like poor. Um, we, like, we didn't have hot water, um, electricity was off and out. Oh, wow. um, move around from place to place. Yeah, I was like literally like poor, poor. And my mom, she didn't have a um, high school education, which was why we were probably in the situation that we were in. And, um, mm -hmm. My parents divorced uh, before I was born. And so I pretty much grew up with a single parent, but my dad was there. Uh, he just remarried. So um, he lived in the same town, but we didn't uh, live with him. So we had to face all the hardships pretty much on our own. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, it was with my two sisters. So I have four sisters total. Mm -hmm. um, but one is my older sister and the other is my younger. And the younger is from when my dad remarried. And the older sister is from my mom um, before she got married. So, so that's lived, not. They hmm? lived with, so they lived with other people. They didn't live with your mom. Exactly. You. Okay. Exactly. You got it. You got it. Yeah. And so um, I grew up with those two sisters um, from my dad. And we actually didn't go to church too often, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. We grew up Baptist, but this is when that actually came about. And so, um, yeah, we didn't really go to church too often until there was this one day that um, two of my mom's best friends actually got into a car accident. Um, and they were killed on a head-on collision. Um, mm -hmm. And this was like a super sad day for like everybody in our little in our little community yeah and yeah super traumatic and um these were my mom's best friends so um after that you know my mom was actually supposed to be in the car with me oh wow but she wasn't yeah and so because they went everywhere together um did everything together but um like god really blessed and she wasn't in there and so after that you know obviously every day she's taking us to church and literally, we were going to church like three times a day. I mean, three times a week. <laughs> and um, like, so it was every Sunday, Wednesday, and there was another day we'd go sporadically, you know. But yeah, my mom was super spiritualized during that time. And mm -hmm. it was during that time I actually started um, reading comic books. So I was around nine at this age. And I was collecting comic books. So it actually got me into reading. And I was just basically reading everything I could put my hands on, you know. And and so my mom was taking us to church all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I was finally looking for something to do while I was in the church. Because, you know, when you're nine, you're kind of bored, you know. Yeah. With church, it's not like necessarily your thing. Mm -hmm. so, um, so I actually picked up the Bible. And then I began to read this book called Job. And so... <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'm flipping through the Bible and I find this. I was like, why is there like job in here? I was like, I can I can read this for my mom. So uh, so I, I begin to read it and like it grabs me like immediately um, because it's it starts off like a comic book, you know, mm -hmm. with, um, with the devil talking to God, you know, like he's going to and fro. And so I'm like blown away by this dialogue and what's happening between mm -hmm. God and the devil. And then he says he has like this this superhero to me, you know, at the time, like this is my my faithful servant, Job. And so like um, that book really grabbed me and it began to shape my worldview and just the Bible as a whole as well, too. I'm going to begin to change uh, because when you grow up in the type of environment that I grew up in where I was very poor and African-American, like, like that's all I knew was like basically like the hood. Mm -hmm. So um, being reintroduced to the Bible, it began to change my whole perspective on life. And it really, really began to shape me and mold me into something that I would become later. But um, yeah, God was really, really working on me during that time. And uh, I was really appreciative of what he was doing in my life. And so um, I always continued to have an open heart like later on in life, but I didn't have any godly examples because growing up in that type of Good environment, you know, um, there's promiscuity, there's um, drugs, violence, uh, all those types of things, uh, you know, not really a big emphasis on education. Um, it's just things that are perpetuated, you know, in, in that type of environment. And God was showing me that there is something better out there, something better he wanted for me, but mm -hmm. I didn't see anybody else doing it, you know? A lot of people claim to be Christians and maybe they were doing their best to their knowledge, but there was no godly examples for me to follow. Matter of fact, the only examples that I had were um, people in the streets. And mm -hmm. so I began to, you know, get off track and begin to get into things like at age 14, I was actually introduced to pornography. Um, unfortunately, um, age 15, I began to skip school and age 16, that's when I was introduced to marijuana and, and drinking and those types of things. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's unfortunate that people have to go through those things. Um, and it actually caused me to get away from what I knew was right. But later on in life, as you'll see, as I'm here now, you know, that God actually continued to, to water those seeds. And so I'll go into this part now where I actually, um, after I finally made it out of high school, uh, which took me an extra year because I was skipping school and partying, doing all those crazy things. I actually paid attention somewhat, but, you know, I had no focus. Um, I had no reason really to put an effort in because it wasn't a priority for my parents. Mm -hmm. So the only thing I got out of school was what I wanted to get out of it. So it took me a little bit longer, but I did eventually graduate and I joined the army right after that. And you think that the army would like, you know, bam, set you straight. But <laughs> no. doesn't it always happen like that. <laughs> no, no. Just... my two uncles went into the military. My one went into the Air Force and the other went into the Marines. And no, you can find what you want in there. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. And um, 
I, I actually I won't go so much into that and um, what happened in the military, but you're exactly right, fam. It's like you can find whatever you want in the military, and that's what happened with me. Um, I found I, I pretty much gravitated to the same people that I was used to hanging around in, in my mm-hmm. other life, um, my life prior to the military, and so. I got and still got back into it with the wrong crowds. You know, I started off good, um, mm-hmm. but then eventually uh, those those things caught back up to me. And I did um, get an honorable discharge. You know, I served my time in the military. I didn't really get into trouble per se, but I didn't really let it change my life at the same time. Yeah. And so I actually got a little further off track. And... But um, while I was in the military, I actually met this girl while I was stationed in Korea. And so um, this girl, she was uh, she's super pretty, you know, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That's true. And so, uh, and so to me, you know, she was special. Um, we dated. Uh, we broke up uh, after six months because I didn't know how to be in a relationship. I don't think she did either. But... You know, after six months, we broke up. But then after I got out the military, I was pretty much in a depressive state because my time in the military, um, I was still partying and doing drugs and those types mm-hmm. of things and just, you know, still hanging around the same type of people. Yeah. So uh, after I got out of the military, um, I was actually engaged while I was in there and my fiance ended up um, leaving me for reasons I'll go they'll go unsaid. But uh, so we broke up, and so I was kind of I was kind of down, you know, mm-hmm. after I got the book. And then the girl that I was just talking about, um, that we dated for six months, she actually sends me a, a message on Facebook. You know, that's how all relationships start now. <laughs> And so, <laughs> well, I think you mean like social media, but yes. Yes, this is exactly what I mean. Not Facebook specifically, but yeah, like this is this is the world we live in nowadays. And so, uh, so she hits me back up, and she's like, "Yeah, so how you doing?" Blah blah blah. So we reconnect, mm-hmm. and we begin to date again. And you know, we were both, uh, we were always crazy, and now we're even more crazy. <laughs> and I'm out in the military, so you know there's really no restraint on my lifestyle at this point. Um, so even more still, partying and drugs and stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I actually, um, I overdosed during that time, and so yeah, um, it was it was uh, like I actually wasn't into like heavy drugs or anything like that. Um, it was more party things, and so. Yeah, I, I was just I was just in a crazy, crazy spot in my life during this time. And so I was dating this girl now that um we after we got back and you know, she was no different from myself. And so like matter of fact, we were known as the party couple. And so like, you know, oh those two, you know, they're always out partying and having fun. Like, so if you wanna you know, party, so, just hang out with them. That that's it. That's it. And so um we were living that lifestyle and we were crazy and spontaneous. And one day she just asked me this crazy question and she says, um, you know what? We should get married. And I'm thinking like, 
man, this girl is crazy. <laughs> like, what is wrong with her? Um, like, we've been dating, like, you know, I think five months at this time. And, and you were at the, you were in the U.S. at this time, right? I was, I was, I okay. was, um, I was in Florida and she was in Tennessee, not Tennessee, um, Kentucky. She was in Kentucky. At this time. Okay. And so like we were flying back and forth to see each other and everything. And so, you know, when she asked me, like, she basically, you know, proposed. Okay. Like, yeah. I mean, essentially that's what it was, you know, um, I was like, you're crazy. And then, you know, about two or three weeks later, we do it. You know, we elope. We <laughs> we don't tell anyone. We just run off and we get married. And yes, like I mentioned, we were crazy. And so nobody knows that we're married, not our family, not even our friends. I didn't tell my friends because I thought they would think I was crazy, which I was. Yeah, just a little and bit. So, <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, so uh, we fly off uh, to Hawaii. So mm-hmm. that's when we like to move to Hawaii. So we got married. We were married for about a month and a half, and then we moved to Hawaii. And that's when things actually began to get crazy um, mm-hmm. for us in our relationship-wise anyway. And, like, she actually began to, like, put her hands on me. And as you, as you knew, I told you earlier that I grew up with, four sisters even though two of them didn't like live in the home with me i still had four sisters that i grew up with and mm-hmm. a single mom and so like putting my hands on girls was like never like it was not so, even like a, go ahead um so what do you mean by like putting her hands on you or you putting her hand oh, okay um yeah so basically like she began to hit me you know okay. um so yeah she was um verbally abusive and physically physically abusive and you know so it was it was one of those things it was an abusive relationship and for me um, to put my hands on a woman or to hit a woman um, was never an option like mm-hmm. that was never something that even crossed my mind because I grew up with all women and so and at an early age my, my mom and my dad they always you know, like, no, don't you put your hands on those girls, you know, like, they can beat me up all day, but you can't touch them, you know, well, when we were little, we used to fight all the time, but yeah. other than that, <laughs> when I started getting bigger, it was, it was actually, it, it didn't fly whatsoever, so, yeah. um, <laughs> so it's about when they grow up, you're like, I can't beat them up anymore, this is bad. <laughs> I know, I know, or Camus, Camus used to attack me, <laughs> It was completely Daryl provoked this own fault, which I unfortunately learned from my brother because he's littler than me. So you just put the fear of God in them while they're young. So they don't. Hey, I get and, it. I get it. My sisters were the same way. Uh, yeah. Um, unfortunately for, for me in this marriage, it was actually abusive. You know, it wasn't just playing around. Um, I, she broke a computer against my back. Um, you know, she burst out my eardrum. I still have problems hearing um, in my left ear, like high-pitched noises, mm-hmm. simply because of how physical it got. And so I was at the point to, honestly, like, I, I hated my marriage. Um, like, I didn't want to be married, but I 
like divorce wasn't was it was going to be like the last straw you know mm -hmm. divorce was the last option but um but it was yeah we were i think i mean i can't speak for her but i feel like that we both were just in a place where we didn't really want to be married and, you know she would say she loved me but you know like she would always be like so abusive and it's not that i was perfect um during these times either i wasn't i wouldn't consider myself verbally abusive because i'm just not that type of person to, to speak like that and mm -hmm. i certainly wasn't physically abusive um but i could say that i was neglectful definitely and you know when you're married you you learn that you know it's not just one person that really has problems um if you're if you're having marital problems and so um in hindsight i know that there was a lot more that i could have done and to be a better husband that i wasn't um but that's the state that we were in like i really didn't want to be married anymore and then there was this one day where it was like at the peak of everything and so you know i got used to her speaking to me in certain ways and um there's just one day like we were driving somewhere and she's just she's just going you know just you know just letting me have it until finally she said one thing that i just couldn't like tune out anymore she was like you worthless and like that's when i just like lost it and i just pow I hit her mm -hmm. and for me that was that was basically that was i was it i was done um, I was done being married at that point when I realized that she had pushed me to a point of becoming someone that I didn't want to be and or someone that I thought that I could never be and I knew that that was it. So I actually I packed my bags, I got on a plane and I signed divorce papers before I left and I just dipped. I turned them in, turned them into the divorce papers, and I was gone. And so I fly back to Florida. And while in Florida, um, crazy story is my my parents, my mom and my stepdad, they had actually become Adventists okay. um, about a year before that. And praise the Lord for those faithful missionaries that you know that that ministered to them. Um, and so. Um, my stepdad, he actually asked me to go to church with him. And I could never refuse this guy because, you know, he's literally always been a blessing to me. Ever since he came in my life, like he's been, he's been a solid rock. And so, you know, he asked me to go to church with him. And I was like, yeah, man, I'll go to church. And, <laughs> and honestly, I, I felt like I needed some change. I remember that when I was younger, like I actually enjoyed church. Like I was listening to the sermons and I was reading my Bible. Um, and so when this came around, like, yeah, you know, this is something that I need. So I began attending and the pastor was, you know, he was bringing that fire every single day. You know, he was, he was my pastor. He's Jamaican. Um, and those Jamaican pastors, like they just, they just go in and and so every day, like um, every Sabbath that I went, the first Sabbath that I went, I felt like he was speaking directly to me. And more than likely he probably was because there was only like 12 people in the church. So so he probably like 
the next step is prepared for me. Uh, and knowing, you know, when you have He's somebody, like, Daryl's coming? I need to speak <laughs> right to him. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I was like, but you know, uh, but the Holy Spirit can convict you to mm-hmm. where it feels like that message is tailored just for you. And because it probably is because it's the Holy Spirit, right? Because yeah. he's speaking to you. And so that's conviction. So whatever it was, whether he tailored the sermon for me or whether the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me during that moment, it was powerful. And so I came back the next Sabbath. Um, it was the same thing. And he gave an altar call on um, that second Sabbath. And altar call is where they make basically say that, you know, anybody who wants to give their life to the Lord, um, you know, come up and mm-hmm. pray for you and all those types of things. So he did that um, the second Sabbath. Actually, I think he did that the first Sabbath as well. Um, then the second Sabbath, he did it. And then the ser- third Sabbath that I came back, once again, like this time I was like on the edge of my seat whenever he was preaching. Like it was, it was so crazy. And like I began to really feel the Holy Spirit. Um, and I had felt the Holy Spirit when I was younger um, because I used to like the Lord really used to speak to me mm-hmm. when I was reading the word and listening to the sermons. But this time, like, like this is the time that I needed him the most. And he was just like, the Holy Spirit literally pulled me out of my seat. Like I felt like a physical, like, pull. like I could not hold myself down. And the pastor's like giving the altar call and he's like, he pre- he's preaching this fire sermon. Then he gives the altar call. And then he's like, Anybody who wants to give their life to God, I don't remember the exact words he said, but he's like, and it like before he could even finish, like the Holy Spirit just like pulls me up, and I'm just like, I just start crying, like, oh, I give my life to God, I give my life to God, and like that was that moment, um, that was it for me, like that moment that I gave my life to God because I like that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, and He told me. That um, like if I didn't give my life to to Jesus, that I was gonna die. And I mentioned that I had OD, like I was just partying, I was doing everything that I wanted, and like I knew that that was a possibility because of how reckless I was as a person. And mm-hmm. so like that moment, that conviction came to his fool, and I I committed to him. And once I did that, um, I began to study the Bible non-stop it was literally like when i say literally i mean literally (laughs) like no exaggeration i was studying the bible or something related all day every day Mm -hmm. like like if i had like i didn't do anything that wasn't bible related like other than the, the necessities and so like i learned (laughs) <laughs> I learned more about the Bible in those three months than I had learned um, in my entire life. Wow. And I, I would ask questions. Like I would just, if I had like all these questions that I had, I had to have an answer. So I would go to someone. I would look for it. Um, and God always gave me an answer. So my knowledge increased so much. And at this time, like everything that I had been doing, like partying, all that lifestyle I was living, like I didn't need a 12-step program or anything like that. Like it just all went away just like that. 
and like God had really, really consumed me. And it was the word of God that was changing me. And so I knew that this was something that could save my marriage. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this is the most powerful thing. Like, this is God, <laughs> you know, like yeah. he is God. Like he can truly transform someone. And I know that if he can do that for me, then he can do it for my wife. Because mm -hmm. I, I forgot to tell you that, um, so I, even though I signed divorce papers before mm -hmm. I left, um, she called me um, about a month later or like a couple weeks later or something around there. And she tells me that the divorce papers actually didn't go through okay, because um, I was missing a document. And so I was actually cool with that. I was like, you know, maybe we just need some time apart, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's what we were doing from that point. Like while I was in Florida, we were just supposedly taking that time apart because um, like, we were crazy. And so, so I'm like, wow, this is, this is it. This was what can save my marriage. So, a little bit later after I'm after I finished studying, you know, about three months after I got saved, uh, she calls and tells me that she's ready for me to come back. And I'm like, all right, let's go, God. Let's go heal this marriage. And so I get back and, you know, I show her like the character of Christ because that's what he's done for me. And that's what anybody does, you know, once they give their life to Jesus. Like, I was trying to get her to study like, you know, for me, studying two hours was like nothing. <laughs> like I was, I was being like, I was, I was, I was dialing back like a lot. I was like, you know, let's study the Bible. And I was like, I think, I think I tried to get her to study with me for like two or three hours. That's a lot. You know, if you don't know Jesus, like, yeah, that's you know, a lot. That's, that's like a whole lot. But for me, I was studying all day, every day. So, just two hours was like that's nothing. You're like, so, this is nothing. Why <laughs> <laughs> did you do you know this? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you're a baby Christian, you don't know these things, right? But you know, um, she didn't take to it like I did, obviously, because you know, she was on a different walk and that's okay. I didn't know that then, but you know, when you give your life to God, you think everybody's supposed to, hey, why don't you want this? You know, type of thing. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, I was just trying to minister to her, and she had really saw that I had changed. And that was all the glory to God, because he's the one who had changed me. Um, but unfortunately, um, during that time, as I came back, she, actually, I needed to use her phone for whatever reason. I can't remember what for. But uh, she let me use it. And so I'm outside. I'm actually talking to either my mom or my pastor. I can't remember. And somebody calls her phone, and they're telling, um, like when I before I before I answered, I look at it, and there's like this guy's name. And mind you, when I was back in Florida, she had told me that if Mal tells you about some guy, he told me his name. It was because she had gotten a roommate um, mm -hmm. while. I was gone to supposedly help her pay for the bills. And I was like, yeah, that's totally cool. And she's like, if Mal is talking about some guys because her roommate is bringing this guy over. And so mm -hmm. that's why he's, that's why he was, that's why Mal would be talking about him. And so I was like, yeah. You know, After okay. clarification, Mal yeah. is 
Mal is our son. Yes. And sorry about that. Yeah. So um, Mal is not my biological son, but he's um, he's her son, um, my son through marriage, mm -hmm. and and just because we're just super tight, you know. So, uh, yeah. So Mal, our son, she was saying like, "Don't worry about that. Like he's just he just comes around because yeah. of her room." And so I, know, I already know this guy's name, and when I look at the when I look at who it is, I see this guy's name, but it's like has like a pet name with it. Yeah, and so like that instantly like raised a red flag. And knowing what I knew about my ex-wife, um, like she was a habitual liar. Like she just lies like for the fun of it. For the fun of it, <laughs> it's like seriously, like it's literally for no reason. And so, like, it all began to, like, make sense. Like, God actually gave me clarification. He, he clarified some things during this time. And so, like, she had told me that, oh, it's because of this. Like, and she used to talk about her friend, like, oh, how could she? Like, my friend's married, and she's, like, she's with this guy. And But she was actually talking about herself. And it's, it sounds like a strange lie, but that's actually the type of lies that she would tell. Like, she would um, project on other people, um, like the lot her what she's doing, and say it's someone else. Mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason, I don't know why she lied like that. But that's when I realized that, wow, um, this was actually her story um, that she was talking about, and so. He asked um, if he could speak to my um, my wife, and so because um, who knows what she had been telling this guy? Because like I mentioned she was a she was a liar, and I wasn't there, so we don't know what he knows or anything. So um, I take her the phone, and when I give her the phone and tell her who's on the other line, she just goes pale, like she turns white as a ghost, and like. I already knew at that moment that she was committing adultery. And it was during that time that, you know, it was really hard because I come back to Hawaii to save my marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and God had actually put love in my heart for this person now. Like, whereas before, I couldn't honestly say that I love my wife. You know, we had fun and you know, it was great, great times. We had ups and downs, more downs than ups. But, but, um, but now, like when I gave my life to God, like I really had love for her. Like um, He gave me a new heart, and so it broke when when I found out that she was doing that. And you know, I asked her what she wanted to do. Um, mm -hmm. um, I found out that she was doing that, and. She says she wanted to stay and work on her marriage. And so uh, I I forgave her. Mm -hmm. And supposedly we were going to work on our marriage, but those were just words, you know, without, she, there was no conviction. There was no, um, no, there was no action behind those words. And so we continued to stay married and I continued to forgive her time and time again. And God actually, just kept revealing to me that she was committing adultery. And it wasn't just like God just speaking to me, like he actually gave me physical evidence. Like I had actual evidence 
whether it was emails or and I wasn't even snooping like when it, like I wasn't snooping then like I, the first time like literally I just needed to borrow a phone and you know the guy calls and like God just was revealing it to me in, in those types of ways mm-hmm. and so I continued to forgive her but she continued to commit adultery and it just got so unbearable to the point where I was just like God what do you want me to do and I know he told me to forgive it was forgive, forgive, forgive every single time. Just like he had been doing with us, um, just like he did with me time and time again. And ultimately I ended up getting counsel um, from two of my mentors. And at this time she had actually taken a job to go do a soldier show. So basically it's like this tour that, um, that soldiers can participate in. Like she was, she was a singer. Okay. And so she would go on tour. She would sing um, and perform, and she had she had went on that tour um, when when I found out she was cheating, and like I didn't want to hold her back from her dreams. Yeah. And she asked me, you know, like I want to go on this thing. So she ended up going, and and when she got back, that's when like God gave me all the confirmation that she had been cheating that whole time. And so, and when she had got back, they had offered her a job now to go to, to Texas. And so um, she was, the job was offering her to leave Hawaii and go to Texas. And that's when I gave her the ultimatum uh, that my mentors gave me uh, was, you know, she can either stay here and work on her marriage or, you know, we can get divorced and she can go take the job mm. and you know she chose to take the job and so from that point um we actually got divorced uh, this time it was for real and you know after that i really dove into ministry like head on like i was all in the ministry after that um i mean obviously you see me now yeah. um, i began to go to a bible college <laughs> I went to a Bible college, but before that, I, I want to share something. Um, you know, while I was while I was um, going through all of those things, uh, the crazy story is is that God had actually been preparing me for what I was going to go through, and it was my stepdad had actually went through everything that I had went through, and which is why I told you I couldn't refuse this man. It, whatever he asked me like i will do sir <laughs> you know because i i was there when my stepdad when i saw when my mom was cheating on my stepdad mm-hmm. and he forgave her time and time um i was there when my mom would physically abuse my stepdad and he did nothing literally everything that i had went through in my marriage my stepdad had already went through and and now, like, those two are, are happily married, and they're still married, even though all those things though they went through. So it was inspiration for me, and it was it was there um, as a testimony. His testimony was my testimony. And I want to read this verse. It says, Genesis 50, 20 says, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as this day to save many people. Mm-hmm. And so like 
God gave my stepdad a testimony to to strengthen me in my time with me. Because if it wasn't for that, like I don't know how I could have went through those things. Like so, that support, like someone that had been through it and like was a little deeper in their faith to be like, hey, you can do this, like Yeah. It was it was a silent testimony. Like he didn't he didn't talk about it, you mm-hmm. know, like but I saw it. Like it was the way he lived his life. He didn't even have to use words, <laughs> you know. Like I was there. Like I was like, dude, like I know like my mom was cheating on me. I I saw my mom like, verbally and physically abuse you, but you did nothing. You know, and, and and it was during those times like that she went away and did the soldier show, like like I dedicated him to God during that those times, and now, um, before before we parted, my ex wife she actually got into a car accident, um, yeah. and my son was in the back, uh, Mal was in the back, and yeah. They got into a car accident. And oddly enough, like that's the same thing that happened to my mom as well, too. Like she got into a car accident. And that's what actually led her to like when I tell you, like the story that happened to my stepdad is the exact same thing that happened to me. It couldn't be any more crazy. But my my um my mom, when she got into that car accident, she kind of disfigured her face a little bit. Um it healed up now for the most part, but like you still see scars. Um, mm-hmm. that's what changed her. But for my ex-wife, um, she got into that car accident. It didn't change her like right away. And Mal was actually, she didn't get hurt in the car accident. Mal actually got messed up. He actually messed up his spine because um, he wasn't properly pulled to the, um, the baby seat, the car seat. And so, um, so he would have to continue to have surgeries to, um, recorrect his spine and to take out the pins and those types of things to this day. Um, but as I mentioned, I had dedicated Mal to God and he would always like, you know, we would talk about God. We would talk about the Sabbath and like the Sabbath was his favorite day. Like, like every day he was like, is it Sabbath day yet? Is it Sabbath day yet? Cause you know, we made it fun and he loved Jesus. Like he would always sing about Jesus and it was just amazing. And so I want to read something that she actually wrote to me after, um, after we separated and it reads is this. So remember Mal, um, he's been having surgeries on his spine since the car accident. Mm-hmm. And he says, um, he has an aid right now during the day and a night nurse at night that stays at the house. He has a urine bag because of his loss of movement in his legs, but he is a fighter. There is no guarantee on anything anymore. It's up to the man above. And that's coming from someone who didn't really have a faith in God. And it continues on to go. Um, he is just so amazing. I wish all the time you could see him grow to the amazing little man because I know you helped mold him in who he is today. My husband knows that I'm talking to you. He knows that this is a chapter I've needed to get answers for a long time. And I have a lot of regret how I treated you. I am sorry. 
you're a good man and you didn't deserve what I did to you. But I will say this, Malachi is very persistent about church. If we miss one Sunday, he is honest complaining. He keeps us in check, don't worry. And you know, the car accident may have changed my mom like right away, but it was, it wasn't necessarily the car accident that was the, maybe that was the trigger or the straw that broke the camel's back. But it was, I believe it was the way that my stepdad lived his life. Um, is what changed it. And I believe it was it was the way I lived my life when I had given my life to God that and you see that in Mal, you know, how he was dedicated to God and and how God used both of us to witness to to Tiffin. And so, you know, I just thank God for what he was doing in in my life. And then how he used Mal, how he used both of us to continue to witness to her. And the guy that she's married to, that was one of the guys that she was cheating with. And now even he's being witnessed to. So, like, I mean, at the end of the day, there's a blessing just to be used by God. You know, like, imagine those two people um, being in the kingdom of heaven, you know. And that's what that's the power of god right there that's the power of the testimony Amen. life being used by god i didn't see like i didn't see the big picture while i was going through all of these things mm-hmm. you know more of you know just live for god step by step you know like whatever god tells me to do i'll do it um that's what it was it wasn't just like Oh, I'm doing this because this is how it's going to turn out. Like, I didn't know how it was going to turn out, you know. I thought I was going to stay married, you know. I thought she was going to change, but she didn't. But now, over time, I see that she is changing. But it's Mm -hmm. not in the context of being married, you know. But every single day, it was a surrendering of the will. It was giving my life to God. And it was through that that... um, that things begin to unfold and God begin to show me the big picture. It's like, I realized that it's just that God wants us to be dependent upon him every mm-hmm. single step. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10 reads, and lest I should be exalted above, above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I plead, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly will I boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ rests upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. So it was through those trials through those tribulations um, that actually shaped me. It was when I was finally weak that I was strong. You know, like it may seem like, oh, you should have you shouldn't have stayed with her, you know, or, or you should have done this, you should have done that. But it was just by me for being forgiving. That was when I was strong. You know, that is what changed her over time. And that's what Mal got to see. And that's what I got to see from my stepdad. 
when we were weak, like when I was down and out, I, I didn't depend on my own strength. I depended on God's strength. And yeah. that's what led her, you know, really seeing God. And so like when we go through the fire with Christ, um, like that's called refinement. Mm-hmm. If we go through the fire without Christ, um, that process is actually called hell. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if you go through the fire with Christ, just like the three Hebrew boys, like that's refinement. Mm-hmm. But if you go through the persecutions and all of these trials and tribulations without Christ, it's hell. And that's how it was in my life. Um, like that's how it was for me in the beginning, because I was going through these things without Christ. Mm-hmm. It was hell. It is the moment that I put Christ in when I was going through those things and it got the fire got ten times hotter. Like that's when I actually began to be refined. And the same thing with her and now. So this is the final verse that I'm gonna close with is first Peter four, twelve and thirteen. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Um, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So my appeal to everyone is that when you go through these trials and tribulations to always bring God with you because you're a witness for someone. You know, like if you truly love Jesus, if you love God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul, bring them with you when you're going through these things. Because it's not just for you. Your witness is for somebody else. Yeah. And so don't be discouraged, you know, are you going through the trials? Mm-hmm. I think that's important to remember because... I'm kind of obsessed with this concept in the Bible about how, like, we will suffer and, like, our life on earth is going to be hard. 100%. Because <laughs> my life on earth has not been easy. And especially since being converted, I think it's been worse. Um, but just because, like, you go through these things and they actually may be worse and you go through more trials and more struggles, but it's actually easier because there's a point and there's a purpose to them. Like when you're just like struggling and like there seems no end in sight and there's for no reason, like you're just struggling. Like it's so easy to get disappointed and like just fall on your face and be like, I don't want to do this. But it's like when you struggle. Yeah. So it's when you struggle like with purpose and point and like when God's in your life that you're like, hey, like this is a good thing. Because like I read the other day, I don't remember it was, but like all all of God's believers are going to be persecuted. <laughs> no one is exempt. But nobody. And, and it's, it's, it's through like that persecution that the refinement process happens. Like, mm-hmm. it's like you aren't going through this needlessly. You know, like you are going, like this is the only, this is about the means by which you are being shaped. Mm-hmm. Like don't, like don't trip. <laughs> you know? Like literally, like this is, this is God. You taking like God didn't bring on these these trials. Mm-hmm. Like that, it's not God they're bringing these bad things in your life to no. you know make you hard iron or anything like that. No, like this is sin. Like this is sin in the world. Um, mm-hmm. But God is using this 
because there is sin, because of our decisions, he's basically making the best out of this situation. Yeah. He's making the best out of a bad situation. And yeah. he's using that to to shape you. Because sometimes I'm, I make my own bad situations. And I look back and I'm like, oh, oh snap, that's my own fault. Yeah, but, no, 100%. But then, like, you look back, and because God was with you through it, and you repented, and you, like, tried to do the best and the godly person in the situation, you can look back and be like, Lord, I learned so much. I'm like, you know, maybe even thank you for the trial, because I wouldn't be the person I am today without it. Yeah, you are supposed to thank God for the trials. (laughs) Like, you are supposed to thank him for because, like, that's when he's with you in the trial. Because he was with you, brought you to, and he was going to change you i look at um like my testimony it's like you know like i know like like god didn't cause my my wife to cheat on me he didn't even cause me to marry that specific person like that was just me and my own Mm -hmm. um deepful heart you know trying to use you know like come on like i didn't even tell anybody i got married yeah like you really think that was god telling me to marry that person and so like yeah we put we put ourselves in these situations and if it's not us guess what it could be somebody else's sinful um things that puts us in this situation this is a matter of sin and, and free will and mm-hmm. like God's, like he's not going to force anything on us but the situations that we as mankind put ourselves into he's gonna he's gonna shape them and mold mold these things into the best possible situation that we can be in and we can get the most out of it if we go through it with him Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, none of us like to struggle or, like, go through trials, but, like, hindsight is twenty twenty in a good way. Um, and then you can look back and you can realize, like, hey, like, this had a purpose and I grew a lot from it. And, like, now I don't make those same mistakes. Like, now I can look back and make better ones. 100%. Yep. And so I counsel everybody to before you get married to go through counseling to <laughs> talk to your parents <laughs> like do these things because marriage is the most serious thing you'll ever go through and so like like even myself like i'm like nah bro like i ain't rushing back into that <laughs> so like you, you're living you learn mm-hmm. definitely and all those trials and whatever like they can have a purpose and a point like we don't have to keep Relieving these same sins and these same trials because I see people that do and I'm like, don't you get it? Like, don't you see where you're falling? And nope. So they they have to keep going through the same stuff until they get it. Yeah, there's um there's this quote um from I I know I've told it to you before, and so Thomas Edison um like this reporter um came to Thomas Edison and he's like. Like, how does it feel to have failed a thousand times? And Thomas Edison says that um, I didn't fail a thousand times. Like, the light bulb was an invention with a thousand steps. And so, like, to sometimes, like, we're going to fall, like, a thousand times. As long as we get back up, um, which is perseverance of the saints, you know, as long as we get back up and keep believing and have faith, um, when we actually get there, then, you know, like, the light bulb happens. <laughs> you know, like, 
the the miracle um, of transformation happens. And so like, that's our duty. Like God is gonna do all of the work. Um, only thing we have to do is persevere. Because, like, you know, we are gonna fall like 500 times on our face, but we just gotta keep getting back up and let God shape them all. Yeah. And through that, there's going to be times where you don't think you can go through it and you don't think that you can even do it. But that's part of the refinement. Like, you can't do it. Like, we never could. It's only God working in us, <laughs> giving us the strength. So. Well, on that great note, I could honestly talk to you forever about this, but that's a great point to end. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this week's episode of God is Real, God is Good. Thank you, Daryl, for sharing your story about how trials refine us. All right. Bye. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to follow, share, like, and review. Also, you can contact us at our Facebook page. That is God is Real, God is Good podcast. Or you can email us at God is Real, God is Good podcast at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.